A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. After this period, is it similar to what happened before World War One, where this advancement of technology, this international trade, this colonial system benefited a number of countries hugely, but ended up ending in massive conflict, wealth destruction through World War One or World War Two? Are we potentially entering into that phase as well? Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm and the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. Today, I am going to do part two of my Killer D's series. The first one was on decoupling. This one will be on deglobalization. And these are, just to set the table, solo episodes where I, I kind of discuss some of the writing that I've been doing on these larger themes that I see playing out in the world and, and how they may impact the investment decisions that we make here. So deglobalization you know, very much, and and I'll I'll kind of start with this. There's a big debate right now whether or not the world is deglobalizing. There's some very big heavyweight Wall Street pundits that Ray Dalio and and some others that called this out a number of years ago, really with COVID, saying that this era of globalization is over with, and we are now in a deglobalizing world. But let's back up and then just kind of start with how did we get here? And so setting the table after World War II, obviously the Europe, much of Asia was in chaos. It was in ruins. And you know the US had the option, frankly, to be a, a colonizing force. You know, 
between us and the Soviets, we would have had the ability to kind of chop up the world for the most part and be an occupying force. And we decided not to do that. But instead, what we did was set up these big international global systems like the United Nations, NATO, the World uh, Bank, International Monetary Fund, World Trade Organization. And the deal was basically, hey, the U.S. will guarantee everybody's safety. And in return, we want access to your markets. We want to be able to profit economically from this international structure that that we've kind of set up. And so it really started after World War II, just in terms of opening up that world. And some of the things that we saw were just a huge decline in the cost of, of how much it, uh, it cost to move goods around, a reduction in trade barriers and tariffs. Obviously, technology started in the 50s, allowed for global transportation, you know, both via air and sea to really advance dramatically. Communication, obviously, was a huge part of this, and and that led to this robust business activity. Basically, what happened was investors, uh, people who participated in the stock market or through private companies, these big multinational corporations were able to unlock this kind of demand for their new products. They were able to access lower labor costs. They were able to access cheaper natural resources and raw materials. And so these new markets and the lower input costs enriched the investors that were participating through the multinational corporations. And then, you know, that global competition drove down pricing and created more choice and optionality, for, which was, which are both terrific for consumers. So everyone really benefited, but the, the, to be clear, and this is where some of the opponents of globalization really call it out, it, it did benefit the U.S. more than anyone else because we were the ones who were launching these multinationals. We were the ones who were protecting these sea lanes, and we did benefit inordinately more than other folks. I'm not saying that we didn't. And it did lift a huge number of people out of poverty. So, you know, we, we saw all of these things happening. And really the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, right? 1989, the Soviet project plodes and it allowed for obviously the Russian market to open up. And then there was this domino effect where that meant that China, India, People started opening up their borders and unlocked most of Asia and Eastern Europe, and that just supercharged everything. So these trends that were occurring after World War II, they really take off in the 90s, and there's just this beautiful period between you know, 1990 to call it 2010 for the sake of bookmarking decades where huge amounts of profits were made, huge amounts of enrichment were made. And this is when I was growing up. Um, I'm born in 1982 and times were good. People were making great amount of money and, you know, the world was opening up. All these new market participants were coming online. You imagine China with and India, I'm talking about billions of, of consumers that wanted American stuff. And it was just unbelievable. Unfortunately, and, and people can kind of debate 
when exactly this occurred, but I kind of say the great financial crisis of 2008 really was the beginning of the end of this golden era. You know, people for the first time started pushing back against the concept was, you know, globalization, this economic growth ultimately good for everybody, considering the risks that were revealed during 08. Then you have Brexit, which you talked about in decoupling, the trade wars, the Trump, Trump administration. I'm not making a political stance that they were the wrong thing to do, especially given what's going on with China. But these these trade initiatives that were initiated by the, the Trump administration did create, you know, higher barriers to entry for other countries, created, you know, tariff schemes. And ultimately, you know, that was a push against globalization. And then more recently, the pandemic the war in Ukraine, supply chain breakdowns, just this general rise of populism across the globe. And you've got China, which very recently has pivoted to being an insular country, right? Saying that we're going to build Fortress China. We don't want to rely on any outsized or outside groups for our economy. They saw what happened with Russia and the sanctions that they've gone through. They don't want to repeat that for their own country. And so they've, they've really pivoted inwards and they've been focused on, she has been focused on solidifying his leadership and their economy. And so all of these things are tied together. They do kind of compound on one another. And, and one of the big takeaways has been that you see what happened with Ukraine, you know, NATO really, it, it just doesn't have the power that we think it does. United Nations, the IMF, the World Bank, the World Trade Organization, these these big multinational groups just don't have the staying power that we thought they did. Nobody takes them seriously, and especially bad actors like Russia, China, and Iran, they don't care about not being included in those groups. And so they've really lost leverage and power recently, and, and I, I don't think they're going to come back. I think they'll be obsolete over yeah. 10 or 20 years. And then if you just look at the metrics, I'm certainly not an economist, but if you track where trade, cross-border investment, bank loans, supply chain, imports, a multinational fair firm share of global profits for direct investment relative to world GDP, they're all either flat or degrading. And I don't think that's a trend that's going to change anytime soon. And I like this quote from Adam Posen, who's the president of the Peterson Institute for International Economics. He says that the corrosion of globalization will reorient the world stage to regionalism. Quote, it now seems likely that the world economy really will split into blocks, each attempting to insulate itself from and then diminish the influence of the other, right? So in this multipolar world where it's not just the U.S. and Russia or the U.S. and China, it's going to be regionally oriented where there'll be kind of a, a power structure in Southeast Asia, South America, North America, Europe, and they'll, they all try to have to figure out who they're going to work with for their own safety, security, and, and economic integrity, as opposed to this rising tide mentality that's been occurring over the last few years. And so what does this look like moving forward? Obviously, we've seen this heightened political risk, both domestically, internationally, Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? 
Take the next step by joining the Capital Club, an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals organized by Excelsior Capital. You'll gain access to exclusive alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, private events, and more. Visit excelsiorgp.com slash Capital Club Podcast for more information and to sign up today. If you have these institutions that are becoming weaker, like the EU and Russia and China, they all look relatively weak from a government structure standpoint. That just increases the risk across the globe for everybody else. Obviously, the financial system, there's a lot of question. Will the U.S. maintain its superiority or not? You know, in a world dominated by the dollar, the Fed, Wall Street, you know, if the U.S. is no longer in the position of being the global leader, does that cause some fragmentation and, and disintermediation to other potential powers? And then I kind of referenced this earlier, but this is very much going to be an, a haves and have-nots type of world, where unless you have something to bring to the table in one of these regional trading blocks, one of these regional kind of super regional actors, you're going to be left behind. And so this really portends poorly for the developing world. South America, some parts of Southeast Asia, I think are really going to suffer from this new regime. I think you'll see pricing and inflation continue to rise, nearshoring, reshoring, an increase in domestic jobs is a very logical conclusion to take. And then just generally speaking, there'll be a rise in military spending as the world becomes more volatile and risky, I think you'll see countries really up the percentage of of their spending that goes to, to the military component. And I don't think that trend will change anytime soon. Again, very similar to what we saw in decoupling. You know, I think, frankly, this is probably a positive thing for the U.S. You know, our experimentation of trying to be nation builders has failed in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it just took a huge amount of resources away from other things that we could have put that kind of blood and treasure to work on. And so I do think it heightens the macro geopolitical risk, but ultimately more countries are going to want to orient to us and be in our sphere of influence as opposed to say China. And I think you're seeing this play out today with the pushback on zero COVID. She looks relatively weak. This doctrine that Russia and China were throwing around to the world that their system of government was better than ours because of how they dealt with COVID and some of the economic pushback has really fallen flat on its face. And so I think the U.S. will continue to stand out as the best place for capital t- to flow and, and the best place for you know attractive talent to want to be from a human capital perspective. So the real question in my mind is, you know, as this shift occurs... And we're moving towards a, a deglobalized world after this period. Is it similar to what happened before World War One, where this advancement of technology, this international trade, this colonial system benefited a number of countries hugely, but ended up ending in massive conflict, wealth destruction through World War One or World War Two? Are we potentially entering into that phase as well? And then that's really the open question. So thank you for listening. And remember to tune back in for parts three and four the Killer D series that are coming soon. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review and stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.